Thank you. We are doing something very different. If you noticed last week, um, we are um, using um, quite a bit of Scripture at the beginning of our service. Um, we are trying to put a very strong emphasis on Scripture. Um, we think that there's no other reason for us to be here other than glorify, glorify the Lord and to lift up His Word. His Word is the Word that is eternal. So uh, we would ask if you are capable, if you're able to stand. Um, this is an extended reading of Scripture, a couple of chapters. But if you're able to stand, we would ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. If not, you stay seated. It is perfectly okay. Galatians 3 Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. 
Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Galatians 4 I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years, I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, 
for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Children of the slave, but we are children of the free. Aren't you glad of that? Let, let me just ask you a real honest question. Does that feel a little long, a little weird to you? Good. Good. I think we've gotten to the point where reading Scripture gets a little, I don't know, monotonous. We, well, we were just reading the Bible. That God was talking to us. We want to hear the preacher. We want to hear the praise team. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I, I'm, I'm with you. All right. We are... Uh, in the midst of a very short series right now, um, we began last week talking about the sacrifice of Christ for us. Uh, Pastor Mark preached to us and talked to us about the how of uh, this remarkable relationship that we have with the God of all creation. And uh, our memory verse that we've gone over already, Galatians 2, 19 and 20, begins with, I have been nailed to the cross with Christ. And it ended with, He is the one who loved me and gave Himself to save me. And so, we, we looked last week at the fact that, that you and I have been nailed to the cross with Christ because of the great love that God had for us, that He redeemed us. And this idea of sacrifice that we're talking about is, is one that I think most of us can relate to. We, we can kind of get our minds around the idea of sacrifice based on the, the context of our own lives, things that we have seen and done and experienced in our own lives. It goes something like this in our experience. I'm going to give up something so I can receive something else. It will almost always 
have a greater value to us than the thing we're giving up. And it will also be something that we could not receive unless we gave up the other thing. That's kind of the concept of sacrifice that we understand. I'm going to I'm going to give up something because I'm going to get something better. And the only way I'm going to get it is if I give this up. That's, that's our view of sacrifice. One of the greatest examples, I think, of this is the story of Abraham and Isaac that was mentioned uh, in Galatians this morning. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac in order to be obedient to God. His desire to have fellowship with God was greater than his desire to have fellowship with Isaac. Although Isaac was his only or his favored begotten son, the one born of the free woman. He also had faith that God would restore the latter if he was obedient to the former. God said to him, Take the child up and sacrifice him, and then you two will come back. And he believed God would restore that life. That's why he did it. That was part of his movement. And while we all marvel at this great sacrifice, we kind of sort of get it. I mean, I don't know that any of us think we could do it, but we kind of sort of at least can understand it, comprehend it. Giving up something we value for something we value greater. With the kicker that possibly we can end up with both in the end. While we can't comprehend the depths of this. That's exactly what scripture said about what Jesus did on the cross for us. He sacrificed his relationship with the Father because he desired a relationship with us. I want that to sink in for a minute. God himself separated himself for the first and only time in all of eternity. God the Father turned his back on God the Son. God the Son was willing to face the anger and retribution against sin placed on him because he desired to be with you. Just let that sink in a minute. Everything we've been talking about this morning is predicated on two things. The character of God and His Word, the promise, and the faith of those involved. Abraham's faith. Jesus' faith. Jesus was fully man. And He had to put faith in what he knew to be true that God would do. Now we always say, well, he was God. He could No, he was fully human. He had all the emotions you have. He just had a greater understanding. The Bible says that he set aside his, his divine nature and took up the human nature. So it wasn't, he wasn't walking around doing God things because he was God. He was walking around doing God things because God was working in His humanity by the power of the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that lives in you. 
Now next week, we're going we're gonna to finish this little short series up, and we're going to be talking about the middle part of this memory verse. And it says, so I am not the one living now. It is Christ living in me. I live by faith. I live by faith. This week, excuse me, I, I said that wrong. Next week, we're going to be talking about I live by faith. This week, we're talking about this concept of I am not the one living now. It's Christ living in me. The Apostle Paul is going to introduce us to a little different scenario of sacrifice in Romans 12. Now, most of y'all know Romans 12, and so I'm not sneaking up on you. But I want you to listen to Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 in the uh, ERV. Um, I, I like the way, again, this reads this morning, so I'm going to use it. It says, So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to Him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to Him. Considering what He has done, it is only right that you should worship Him in this way. Paul's saying to us this morning, offer up your life, not to receive something greater, but because you've already received something greater. Not to get something, but because you've already got it. That's a different kind of sacrifice, isn't it? Doesn't that change the whole dynamic of sacrifice? You're not giving up something because you hope to get something. You've already been given everything. Now give up something. Because of the great sacrifice you've been given, give up something less in response. Because of God's great sacrificial gift of mercy, Seen in the death of Jesus on the cross as payment for our sin debt, give up your mortal, temporary life for Him to use as He deems appropriate and necessary. That's the sacrifice that God is calling us to. So the question this morning for us to consider is, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, how can you develop this attitude of sacrifice in your life? How can I develop this attitude of sacrificial living? God didn't say, because I've given you eternal life, die. Just go die. He says, because I've given you eternal life, now live for me. Change the way you live. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, we have been raised in a generation of church. I have been raised in a generation of church. Where what's been being taught is, you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, you have eternal life. Now just go live in joy and peace and be happy with whatever you want to do. You just go live any way you want to live. No, no, we don't say that. But that's what we mean. We don't say go live any way you want to, but what we really mean is you got the end product already. Now, it doesn't really much matter. You just kind of do what you want. 
you know, God loves you. It's okay. Just go live however you... And then every now and then, you know, make sure you show up for church. Put a little money in the plate. Sing up on the plate. Praise Him if you like being up front. Because Jamie just loves being seen all the time. If you all knew how much she would like to put a cone around here and not be seen when she leads. She doesn't lead so she can be seen. She leads because God's called her to worship. I can tell you that, that I don't always love preaching. I do love preaching. I don't always love... I, if we could tape it... But Mark and I really thought that whole porch thing was working out well. We liked that. Sit on the porch, tape it. If that's a really bad tape, you do it again. <laughs> but, you know, and just you know, drink your coffee, sit on the porch, and enjoy life. And if you haven't figured out from your Christian life that ministry is hard... You haven't figured out Christian life because you're called to ministry as much as we're called to ministry. So how do we do this? How do we develop this life of sacrifice? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to consider the gift. What do I mean by consider the gift? And the reason I'm using the word consider is because it's in our scripture. Romans 12, 1 says, considering what he has done, it is only right that you should worship him in this way. Considering what he's done. What, what does it mean to consider? Well, it means to stop and meditate, think about it. This morning, let's just be transparent with one another. This morning, did you get up this morning and think about God? Some of you did. Some of you might not have. I've had Sunday mornings where I've gotten up and come to church and the last thing I thought about was God because I had a bunch of stuff going on and it was all going wrong. I'm just being honest. There's, there's some days, you know, it, it's, it's 10 o'clock in the morning before I, oh, wait a minute, I hadn't even thought about God much today. I haven't really stopped to consider that God is the one that woke me up. God's the one that got me up. God's the one that moved me forward. Do you consider who God is? Have you really considered today what God has done for you? If you're born again, He has removed from you the debt of sin that you could not pay. If you worked for all of eternity and you were great at your working, you could never, ever work enough to remove the debt of sin. And God said, I remove it from you. I placed it on Christ. He's paid the debt. The scriptures we read this morning in, in, in Galatians. He has given you His righteousness. You stand righteous, holy, and redeemed in the presence of an almighty God. You can come boldly into the throne room of God. Boldly into the presence of the King of Kings. The one who created it all. You and I, as believers, we need to consider what God has done. And we should worship in response. We should worship in response, 
you and I must consciously think about what He has done in our lives on a regular, continual basis. If not, we become dull of hearing and we begin to respond in inappropriate ways. Can you, can you relate to that? Have you not been there in your life before? Have you not gotten, you're, you're saved, you're going to heaven. God's blessed you, but you've just gotten dull of hearing. You're not concentrating and thinking on God. And so your hearing's gotten a little, little dull. And you just be kind, of, kind of become through the motions. Or am I the only one that's ever done that? I mean, I've had seasons of my life where I have slipped farther and farther away from the very presence of God. Not because God didn't want me to be with Him, but because I wasn't listening. I wasn't considering God and what He has done for me on a regular basis. I wasn't thinking about God the way I should. If you uh, are part of our church on a regular basis, you know that we do not do communion on a regular Sunday-by-Sunday basis. We don't typically do communion on a regular routine basis. We do communion um, as we feel God's leading us and directing us, and we do it in the ways that we feel God is leading and directing us at the time. And um, over the course of the last few months, Pastor Mark and I have really begun to look at communion a little differently thinking about it a little differently. I don't know that we're ever going to get to a place where we do it every Sunday morning like some churches do. We may, and that's fine. We're just leading in God's direction. And you say, what is he gloving up for? This is really weird. Well, he's gloving up. Okay, time to meet. (laughs) Um, We're going to do communion a little different today. I want you to consider what God has done for you. I want you to think about Mark, I don't know, this is going to really mess up the video, but I'm just going to walk. We're going to consider what God has done. I want you to think about in your life, what has God done for you this week? How has God blessed you? As His body was broken for you. That's for you and Peter. Tom, for you and Lynn. How is God's brokenness in his life, in your life? How did he break you this week? How did he, how did he break you this week, William? How, what has he done in your life that was more than you wanted? Frank? That's yours, brother. Darren? Scott? How did God break you? How has His brokenness changed you this week? How has it caused you to think differently about your life? Pastor Mark. Brother Ken, this is for you and Miss Lena. Brother Charles. This is exactly what they did sitting around a table thousands of years ago. They broke some bread. This is sweet potato. No, it's not. It's just it's it's a bread that I found that fit what I wanted it to do. Yeah, you want to share that with Ted, okay? 
And, you know, honestly, I, I don't think God really cares all that much about what bread we're using or if it looks the same or fits all the, the circumstances. This is certainly going to be tastier than, than those little wafer things. But I think it's important that we do this. Miss Jamie? How has God taken this bread, taken his body and broken it? What has that meant for you this week? How has it changed you this week? How can it change you this week? Scripture says that on that day they took and they broke the bread and they took it and they ate. And they remembered what he had done. I encourage you today, take and eat and remember in the name of Christ. Romans chapter 8, in verse number 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Have you considered what you're going through in this life today, this week, this month, this year? If 2020 has been as bad for you as everybody says it is, have you considered what God's doing in your life in the midst of this? And if it is the worst thing you've ever faced, how would you compare it when you're comparing it with the glory that is going to be revealed in you one day? Paul went on to say to the Philippian church, Everything was gained to me. I considered it to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ. Are you considering what God has done. I think the second thing we need to do if we're going to really adjust our thinking so that we can be more in tune is that we've got to adjust. We've got to adjust. We can't, we can't adjust ourselves to the wrong kind of advice. The second half of Romans 12, 1 and 2 Romans 12, 2 says, don't change yourself to be like the people of this world. But let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to Him and what is perfect. How many times have you in your life said, I just, God, I just want to know what you want. I just want to know who you are. I want to know what to do. Well, God said He wants you to know that. But if you're not lined up and listening to the right thing, you're never going to know. Why is it that we find ourselves so often listening to 
and trying to be approved of by people that are not living godly lives. Have you ever found yourself wanting somebody's approval and yet their life is not lined up with God's word, but you want their approval? I think one of the reasons Pastor Mark and I have begun to emphasize the memory verses and the Bible reading so much this year is that we are convinced. I mean absolutely 100% convinced that this is the only way for our minds and then our wills to be changed. They have to be changed from within by God Himself. And that is the exact promise that He gave us. If the only voices that you're listening to, or if the primary voices that you're listening to, come from the world, you're setting yourself up for defeat. If it's the people on the job, if it's the television, the radio, the the secular music, if it's the neighbors, if it's the friends, and they're not godly, you're just setting yourself up for failure. The only way you and I are going to be able to understand and accept what God wants. Isn't that an interesting verse that he said? Listen, he said in, 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 that, in this translation, he said, you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you if you let him change your thinking. Part of the problem is we might understand, but we don't accept. I hear what you're saying, God. I just don't want to do it. But if you will surrender yourself to him, you'll let his word get in you if you'll listen to the scripture if you'll read the scripture if you'll pour over time of prayer if you'll do these things here's what happens you'll begin to accept what God wants it will become your desire as well the only way that we're going to get to a place where we understand accept what God wants is if he is the primary voice in our lives it is the only way that you and I will ever know for sure what is right and what is pleasing to Him. I listen to people all the time that tell me, well, God wants this, but what they say is completely different from what the Word says. Why do they think that? Because they're not listening to the Word. They're not letting Him in. And they're doing what they want, what their heart says, what their mind says, what their neighbor says. We can't adjust to the wrong advice. And we've got to get prepared. The truth of the matter is we've got to prepare properly. First Peter. Peter says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your minds. Set your hope. Be serious. Be, 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 now, he doesn't mean just, you know, you can't laugh and you can't enjoy and you can't have a, have a good time in life. What he means is be focused. Be con- consistent. Be dedicated to your life in Christ. It's time that we get serious about our walk with Christ. It shouldn't be an afterthought in our life. It ought to be the primary focus of all that we do. And even then, what we have to do is place our hope in the grace of God. Because we already read this morning that trying to do the law and complete it and keep it will get you nowhere. It's in the grace of God. 
He goes on in chapter 2 of 1 Peter to say, Rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Church, what if we just decided this month we're going to focus from August to December and we're going to work on junk we want to get out of our lives. We're going to work on getting rid of deceit. What is deceit? Lying? You're just going to quit lying about it. What does that mean? It means I'm not going to shade the truth. I'm going to tell it like it is. I don't weigh somewhere around 200 pounds. I weigh 223 pounds. Some of that's COVID pounds, just like you. <laughs> hey, you know, what? why do I care what you think of how much I weigh? Because I'm trying to impress you with who I am. You know, what, it, it means that, that we're straightforward and honest. We get rid of deceit. Some of that we got to quit lying to ourselves. We get rid of all malice. What's malice? Anybody know what malice is? Okay, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good thought. Ugly talk intended to hurt and twist at someone else. But see, it's not just the talk, it's the intent. I'm going to get rid of hypocrisy. I'm going to get rid of envy. Boy, what envy? What's, envy ain't hurting anybody else, that's all about me. I wish I had Mark's beard. You know, I mean, that's, that, how's that hurting Mark? It's not, it's just changing my focus. What if we just worked on stuff that, there's, is there not stuff that you need to get rid of? He says, get rid of some stuff. And then he says, like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation. Can you get any more saved than you already are? Not according to the Word of God. You're as saved as you're ever going to be. You are kept by the power of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. He is the down payment of the resurrection in your life, according to Scripture. So you can't get any more saved. But guess what you can get? You can get larger in your salvation. You can mature in your salvation. You can grow in your salvation. As a matter of fact, you're told that you should grow, and some of it depends on what you do. Desire the pure spiritual milk like an infant desires milk for its body. If you've ever seen a young baby, the first thing they want to do is start drinking. They want something to take in. Are you hungry for God the way that a newborn baby is hungry for milk? We must put away sinful activities and tendencies. We must desire to grow in our salvation. Salvation isn't the end of God's work in us, it's the beginning. How many people do you know that think, okay, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and that was it. That was the point. That's all there is. That's just the starting point. That's the opening of the door. 
Most of us, it takes a long time to start figuring that out. Let me tell you what. We need to live wisely. Okay? Live wisely. James chapter 4, verse 13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. If you're like smoke that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, I said all that to get you to this part of the verse. It is sin for a person who knows to do good and doesn't do it. If you're here now, today, in this room, you now know that you need to be working on your Christian life. You need to be working on your salvation. You need to be living wisely as you walk out what God has done in your life. For you and I in this room today, it's no longer a place where we can just look past it. It is sin in our life if we don't get rid of some stuff that God says in His Word. And we don't seek after some things that God says in His Word. It's all about obedience. How is that possible? How can we accomplish that? I'm just a human being. You are. But God made a way. The Bible says that without blood there is no remission of sins. And so God the Father took and shed the blood of His only begotten Son that your sin and my sin would be covered. As you consider who God is, as you consider what God has done, as you consider the, the blessing of God in your life this week, remember that your blood has been cleansed by the blood of Christ. So today, take and peel back this bottom wrapper, if you can, carefully. I'm brave. I didn't do it like Pastor Mark last week. I'm trying to do it now and not spill grape juice all over me for the second service. The Bible says that when they met together in that upper room that night of the Last Supper with Jesus, that He broke the bread and He gave it and He said, This is my body broken for you. And He poured out the juice into the cup and He passed the cup around to them and He said, Take and drink. This is my blood which is given for you. His blood that covered our sin made us righteous before Him. He said, Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me and what I've done for you.